Welcome to Thriller Premium. Welcome to Thriller Premium. In-depth coverage and timely analysis of macro and micro happenings in crypto. Welcome to Thriller Insider. gentlemen boys and girls from around the world gather around it's time for another episode of thriller insider today is uh, april 5th 2020 and we are talking digital dollar bitcoin analysis yeah so i told you earlier in the week we were going to be doing an insider on the digital dollar and taking a really good examination as to how this is going to kind of play out and what this looks like in terms of, of, of Bitcoin adoption and uh, the Bitcoin ecosystem and industry here in the forthcoming years. So this is a very important episode. You know, I know I say that all the time whenever we do a Thriller Insider, but I feel like this one is kind of like the one from uh, last year when we did Bitcoin and the next recession, where there was a lot of stuff that we got right that ended up kind of playing out here in real time right now. And um, this is just something that we should all be aware of. And it, most of the stuff you already know, like most of the stuff a lot of people are talking about in the ecosystem, a lot of people are talking about in the industry. Um, but there's some new um, interesting points that I think aren't being talked enough about and also some interesting uh, analysis on how this is going to affect Bitcoin long term into the future. So let's get started. Um, so um, first up, we're going to look at what a digital dollar looks like. And if you haven't heard, we are we are on the cusp of a new monetary era. I mean, that's just the truth. I mean, central bankers around the world are increasingly worried that privately controlled digital currencies will uh, relegate them to the sidelines of monetary affairs. Uh, this scares the F out of them. It really does. And to avoid this fate, these central banks have been studying and in some cases actively pursuing and issuing digital currencies of their own called central bank digital currency. And that's one key word that we're going to be using the entire episode. I'm going to probably call them just CBDCs for short. So just keep that in mind. Central bank digital currency is what I'm talking about when I mention that. Um, but you also have something of uh, another thing that's going on, right? And we talked about this previously, but today's tech giants like Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Microsoft have all have the scale and 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 quite honestly the consumer reach not to not to mention the the, over, the overwhelmingly incentive to create their digital money uh, and, and and to issue this out to to the American public and to the entire world and this could not only threaten to compete uh, with uh, central banks but it, it could even displace you know uh, the public's monetary uh, supply of uh, the issuance of uh, money from central banks and how they manage it. And then if you if you look even further, this is kind of one thing that most people aren't mentioning. But, you know, the vast majority of gold that's being purchased here in the past, I would say, couple decades has been from China. Right. And we know the People's Bank of China is reportedly poised to launch its own CBDC as soon as this year, uh, 2020. So if it succeeds, other major central banks are sure to follow. But the stakes are especially high for the United States because a successful digital currency, whether controlled by a private company or by China, could, um, you know, I guess you would take down the U.S. dollar status as the dominant global currency. 
Uh, and this has become a really big privilege to a lot of Americans. I think most people don't really realize how the petrodollar really works and how it functions and why there's so many um, nuances to this and why this is so important to, to get right. So not only are they facing um, you know, global reserve status from the People's Bank of China, and not only <laughs> are they facing it from the, the tech giants of the world, and not only do they have uh, Bitcoin in a far enough lead uh, as it is as, as the people's money, um, but uh, this is this is the reality now in, in this kind of post uh, COVID nineteen world, right? This is where we stand, and so Congress, you know, potentially could authorize the Federal Reserve to implement a broadly accessible U.S. dollar base CBDC, and they would give it in, in directly to the general public, individuals, businesses, and institutions, and they would create something called Fed accounts. And uh, this is kind of going around, this is kind of making the rounds, I would say, this document. And it's, it's really scary, but at the same time, uh, like a train wreck, you just can't, you can't look away from. Let me I'm going to put a link to it in the show notes, but it's by Morgan Ricks, John Crawford, and Lev Manan. It's called Digital Dollars. And this has kind of been circulating throughout the, um, I guess you would say, the, uh, you know, uh, I guess senators and Congress and the House. And they're all kind of looking at the same document. But how Fed accounts would offer, uh, they would offer the functionality of ordinary bank accounts with the exception of overdraft coverage. So they would also have all the special features that current banks enjoy, right? Uh, but some additional complementary features, the Fed account program would put government-issued digital or account money on par with government-issued physical currency, transforming digital dollars into a resource that anyone can use. And when it comes to money and payments, right, uh, integration and interoperability are uh, probably harder to do than, than, than most people realize. Uh, even you look at something like Ethereum today still struggles with that, right? And, and Bitcoin and its Lightning Network is hopefully trying to make some um, movement in that direction. Um, but for central banks, these cryptocurrency design features are a needless distraction to them, right? The Fed account system would be seamlessly interoperable with the existing system of money and payments and would rely on low-cost, reliable systems and technologies at the Federal Reserve has used successfully for decades. I mean, it's, it's, it's no secret that, that these Fed accounts would be pure base money, right? Uh, an asset not realistically available elsewhere, right? In, in the account form. And they, these would be instant payments, right? From the Fed. And, and for all these reasons, uh, we, we would expect full on adoption. But the only way this could happen is if Congress were to pass it. The, the Fed doesn't have uh, the... Uh, the authority to go out and do this on their own without Congress passing a bill to implement this. So this is how a large scale adoption would work. And probably the, the most disturbing thing of all of this is the AML and the uh, KYC that would occur from these Fed accounts. Uh, it was discussed here uh, during the last bill that was passed for COVID-19 and, and relief efforts. And it got, it got, it got a lot of attention by them putting that digital dollar remark in there, and then it got extracted later. So if this were the case, you already have people, you know, scared out of their minds that, um, you know, they could uh, not only know what you purchased, when you purchased, how you purchased. Um, and not only are they giving you injecting money for free, but they basically 
uh, own you at that point. The Fed does, right? Especially with these accounts, right? And especially if it's done on a digital wallet. Uh, I forget the saying, like, as can giveth, can taketh away, right? So it's it's very much a, uh, a legislation play that would have to occur uh, that would uh, empower the Fed to lend to individuals and non-bank businesses. So uh, that's the only way this would happen. Uh, so it would be up to, you know, uh, the people of the House and, and, and the Senate for them to decide if this was going to be legislation that they wanted to put forth. But um, not only is this going on with the Fed, you have other kind of, uh, I wouldn't call them, uh, <laughs> key, I guess you could call them key players, right? And, and one of them is the Digital Dollar Project. And this is a partnership between Accenture, one of the biggest, um, I wouldn't call it a... Uh, <laughs> I would call it probably it's more in line with a, uh, a a technological industrial complex for the United States, if anything. Um, and, and what they do is a multitude of things. And one of them is create um, uh, blockchains and, and research into uh, that field. And they are f- uh, kind of creating this partnership with the Digital Dollar Project and they're creating its foundation. And ultimately, this project and its entire purpose is to encourage research and public discussion on the potential advantages of a digital dollar. And uh, they hope to convene the private sector thought leaders and um, actors and propose possible models to support the public sector. Uh, Christopher Giancarlo is the former chairman of the CFTC, and uh, he believes it's time for the Federal Reserve to issue a fully digital currency. Um, so. A lot of people want to move in this direction and they want to give the Fed complete control of how we uh, manage money in the world. Right. So it's a really scary thing when you when you think about it in that terms, because a lot of people right now are saying, oh, it's just going to be a digital dollar that the United States uses. And yes, it would have overriding, uh, you know, kind of control and regulation throughout the world. But. Uh, when you look at it just from a pure public perspective, well, like what that looks like on a day to day basis, um, they pretty much own you <laughs> and, and your wealth at, at that point. Right. Um, and I don't we don't know if this looks like an opt in or opt out approach to it. But I would say uh, the disparity from the, the haves and the have nots. And let's say the overwhelming majority of like, I would say, 60, 40, 60 percent of the people would be using these um, these Fed accounts and they would get this free instant money right uh, through like a UBI or something. Um, at that point, you could see their life completely controlled by this. Right. Especially if they were in a means of, of not being able to push back on it. Um, so, yes, it could help a lot of people, but at the same time, it could also impede a lot of people from reaching their true potential, I think, uh, in the future. And I think that's one of the things most people aren't bringing up right now is how that sense of control and, and, and debt-based kind of um, slavery, for lack of a better word, would uh, kind of accrue in time as this is rolled out. So this one thing to definitely keep an eye on. And if there's one person who wants to see this through, it's Christopher Giancarlo. And he was recently here in Davos uh, 2020 in early February where he discussed all of this. Take a listen. And then finally, um, a wonderful announcement we made just a few days ago that we're partnering with Accenture um, on the Digital Dollar Project to look at and to start thinking through some of the challenging issues 
in the development of a tokenized form of the U.S. dollar. Right now, the dollar comes in two forms. It comes in coins, it comes in cash. What we're talking about is seeing if it's possible to develop a third form of the dollar, and that would be a digital form, a central bank digital currency of the U.S. dollar uh, that would provide enormous benefits, we think, in terms of lowering the costs, shortening the speed of tr global transfer payments, but really bringing millions of people that are unbanked into, um, uh, into the ability to participate in global markets in a more direct way. So we think there's a lot of advantages for that. I'm delighted to be working with Accenture on it and on, on these projects. Yeah, since your, the op-ed that you published in the Wall Street Journal in, uh, in October, yes. uh, we've, we've had a really intense dialogue, yes. a productive one and exciting one to be able to really think through um, our, our focus, we, working with central banks around the globe and some of the other work that we've, we've uh, undertaken, but to be able to apply it to the, in a U.S. context against the unique requirements and, and uh, context of the U.S. dollar is incredibly exciting. And I think, um, I, I think maybe, maybe some of the richest part of it has been the attitude that the, the, our joint teams have taken around starting from a principles basis. I think that has been crucial and, and being able to, um, to, to, to intend and to will follow through on bringing in that multi-stakeholder community to represent the various facets is critical. You're very eloquent about the the position of those a core principle around the U.S. dollar's position in the global markets. So, you know, yeah. it's worth so, sharing. So, so it, it certainly is. And you know, one of the things that's interesting about our approach is it's we seem to find ourselves with many efforts right now to look at central bank digital currency. I think Mark Carney, the Bank of England, just announced. Uh, a big uh, collaboration amongst many central banks around the world. We know that China is looking at this as well. As well. But and yet, sometimes there's an American way of doing things. And one of the things, whenever America has embarked upon big projects, whether it's been the space program or the internet development, there's always been a public-private partnership. The, 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 the private sector in the United States often plays a big role in big projects, the ability to marshal intellectual horsepower, martial resources, martial our universities and others. And so we're approaching this from the point of view of a private sector initiative, fully transparent to the public sector, but where we can marshal the resources, the, 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 the thought power that Accenture brings. My own experience having been a, a government official, uh, uh, my, my brother Charlie Giancarlo with his Silicon Valley experience. And we think that is a distinctly American way, and it may not be the way of Europe, it may not be the way of China, but certainly I think a way that, that makes sense as we think about a, an enormous project, the digitization of the dollar. And you know, we've also talked about uh, the importance of the dollar. I, I'm one of those who believe um, that there's, it's not just a coincidence, but it's actually, there's a degree of causation in the fact that we've seen regional global markets develop into, our, into a, a, a globalized market over the last several generations. And that's coincided with the rise of the dollar as the world's premier uh, reserve currency. The dollar offers a degree of stability of prices, of, of, of price discovery that's centralized in, in the world's commodity markets, in the world's financial markets, and um, a stable economy, a growing economy, one of the world's few growing economies. And so I think the, the dollar's utilization to modernize it, it's an analog instrument, let's bring it into the digital economy and, 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 and have it serve that role for generations to come. I think the dollar serves more than just U.S. interests, I think it serves global interests 
as a strong reserve currency amongst, amongst others as well. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think part of what I'm looking forward to the most is is taking a lot of the work that's happened over the past several several years around the blockchain and DLT space, thinking through use cases around how to actually transform uh, industries, not just in financial services, but cutting across a, a variety of different sectors. And it always is, many of them have come back to this core element of being able to not just assume that the cash movement uh, in the digital world is something that moves separately from you know the, the services interaction or the online purchase, et cetera, uh, to truly rethink it rather than what I think what we've been doing for the past decades of is been trying to automate and, and make the existing process move faster right. to now suddenly truly be able to transform is exciting and to take a deliberate approach to think through sector by sector, exactly use right. case by use case, uh, and stakeholder group by stakeholder group. I, you know, we we've been brainstorming lists of who to who to bring in, and who to who to have involved, and in, you know, everyone from consumer advocacy to ethicists to constitutional experts. Uh, right. I think between our the Digital Dollar Foundation and Accenture and our wider networks, uh, really excited about the group we're going to pull together. Well, one of the things that that I've really enjoyed is how we very quickly realized in this project that our effort is not about speed, our effort of getting it right. And, 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 a, and a clear-eyed recognition right from the start that this is complicated. There are going to be many elements of this that are going to take careful thought, time-staking attention to detail, and, and bringing the right uh, group together of expertise, as you said. Um, and, and all of those categories, plus folks that are experts in anti-money laundering, which is a, which is a legitimate and, and, and key concern to get that right, to look at issues of, of, of money transfer, of central banking concerns, of monetary policy. And that's what we're trying to do with the Digital Dollar Project, is to do a lot of the, the thinking and thought leadership and make that all available to the public sector as, as such time as the U.S. government uh, wishes to engage in this, we'll, we'll have done some of the thinking through. And again, I think that's a distinctly American approach, and, um, uh, and it's one that I think is a virtue. So, you know, one of the one of the hardest things uh, for this uh, digital dollar that's going to be created is not going to be the actual prototype of the blockchain or the core infrastructure, you know, or anything to do with the, uh, the technology behind it. That isn't the challenge. All that has been created. They'll likely adopt something like Hyperledger. Um, you know, or any wonder, any any one of these kind of distributed ledgers already being produced by Hyperledger. There's Hyperledger Pursue. It's a Java-based uh, Ethereum client. There's Hyperledger Bureau, a permission smart contract machine. It's an EVM, a Hyperledger Fabric. There's all these different types of DLTs that are already released through Hyperledger that they can, uh, you know, call on for this uh, privatized digital dollar. And if you kind of play this out a step further and you look at, you know, what type of... Uh, you know, standard would they use, right? And it would probably be an ERC eleven fifty five token, right? So it would it would offer the opportunity for not only a token but uh, uh, multiple uh, digital assets under the same standard. So you could uh, theoretically have, you know, say like a um, so you could have like say an interface for contracts, you know, that manage multiple token types. Um, and we'll we'll dive into more about that and how the NFTs and the uh, fungible tokens will will work and all that configuration stuff. But what I'm trying to say ultimately, though, is that the tech is the the least uh, hard part here. <laughs> like uh, that's going to be the easy part, right? A lot of it's already already there for the most part. Um, the hardest part about all of this are the implications 
of governance, believe it or not, and, and policy and uh, ecosystem dynamics and what choices they will have. Um, because a lot of these underlining uh, uh, technologies uh, have never been given to a government before and they never had so many options, right? They've always lived in an analog world. So to me, this seems like the implications are far more uh, worse if they get it wrong, right? And so they're going to have to make some social and economic choices about how they implement these options, especially if it can be uh, done with programmable money, because that's what ex exactly they're going to build here. So, um, you know, one of the things that scares me is uh, something that Giancarlo said, and uh, you can take a listen. And I think the goal here in this way, this 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 digitization of value that we're finding is to develop the positive use cases, the positive ability of central banks to, to execute monetary policy in a way that's positive, to bring banking services to the world's unbanked, to serve immigrant populations that need to remit money back to their families back in, in less developed areas that we can make faster, we can make less expensive, that we can make more immediate so they can get help where it's needed. So again, it's easy to knock every evolution of technology but we need to go beyond that. We need to be, in a sense, more mature than that and say, how do we harness this for the good? I think that's something that's typically American. We've always taken new technologies and harnessed it for the good, and that's the challenge once again. Yeah. So, you know, when he says harness it for the good, you know, it's it's really hard um, to believe um, that a gover American government institution is going to do everything in their power to make sure that it's fair and equal for everybody. And, and I know I, c I come off like a sourpuss by saying that, but just by looking at the past 50 years and, and how they've kind of um, uh, conducted themselves on, on a world stage, uh, it's pretty obvious to a lot of people like, you know, you know, it's not a, it's not hard to believe that their intentions might be good. But in reality, it could be the complete opposite. And so when I heard him say that, it really scared me because I'm sure John Carl's intentions are well. Uh, but it's the government that's going to be controlling a lot of this. And he's not going to be the one, you know, making those calls. So they will have everything in their power uh, to, to do anything they wanted to do to, a, to any individual with a Fed account. And, um, yeah, it, it's uh, basically a... Uh, a controlled centralized currency at that point and um yeah so it's it's really tough <laughs> for somebody like me to get behind something like a digital dollar um but if you look even further and we're going to keep diving into this because i feel like there's a lot still left there so you look even further you know hyperledgers you know one of the blockchain consortiums that's working with the uh, digital dollar project uh, they're currently looking at a project called ethaler um, they're utilizing the ethereum blockchain to create a central bank digital currency um, and ever since, you know, the, the House introduced this digital dollars bill and then redacted it later, um, it, it basically put people on notice, <laughs> basically saying like, hey, this is the first significant step. You know, we're having to deal with this, especially during a crisis situation. And we need to come up with new ideas and acceptance of new ideas. And we'll, that, that will not only solve this issue currently right now that we're facing, but kind of lead us through into the next world. But a, a lot of this stuff is... Uh, it's really interesting because uh, Ethaler uh, gets its name from uh, from uh, the word Thaler, which is a silver coin uh, used throughout Europe for hundreds of years. So it's kind of funny. Um, and then they also are a, a blockchain project that is a group of professionals 
from Accenture and Infosys and uh, it too bank in Brazil. So there's a lot of people kind of contributing to this. You even have uh, JP Morgan, Chase, Consensus, and the Enterprise Ethereum Alliance. So Ethereum Labs is building on Hyperledger Basu. Uh, that's, of course, what we just said earlier. It's an enterprise version of Ethereum. And so there's a lot of, uh, of tech behind this. And the underlining asset and the standard that they are trying to um, utilize is going to be the ERC-1155 token standard. So there's, I mean, don't get me wrong, ERC-20s are great, <laughs> right? The vast majority of the tokens out there are ERC-20s, but this 1155 standard, you know, is a totally different ballgame. And, and so I'm going to give you the best person that can explain the ERC-1155 standard because um, I think this guy is amazing. He's from the Zero X project. Take a listen. The ERC-1155 token standard is probably the most flexible token standard out there to date, and it could support a variety of use cases. Uh, you can almost think of this as a combination of the ERC-20 and ERC-721 token standards, as it can support either fungible or non-fungible tokens. Uh, actually, a single ERC-1155 contract can support both of these tokens at the same time. Uh, so this is really perfect for uh, something like collectible cards, where there is a somewhat small set of cards, uh, and then there are limited amounts of each card, but they are not necessarily unique from one another. Uh, the 1155 standard also has some efficiency gains when it comes to transfers. So for example, it can transfer multiple tokens within a single transaction, which is different from ERC-20 or 721. The ERC-1155 proxy is responsible for decoding data in an order specific to this standard, and it is also responsible for performing the transfer on the user's behalf. Um, much like the other asset proxies, users are also required to approve this contract to spend their ERC-1155 tokens before they may begin trading them over the protocol. So if we have an order containing some ERC-1155 metadata, a taker submits that order to the exchange contract, which then calls into the ERC-1155 proxy. Uh, the ERC-1155 token will be debited from one of the trader's accounts and credited to the other trader's account. Uh, and this will happen for each transfer involved in the trade. So we've talked about what the underlying technology will look like for a digital dollar. At this point, we discussed why the implications of this are, are, are uh, on another level unseen in 100 years, right, um, before this. Uh, so we understand what's at stake. We understand the technology behind you. We understand who are the key players in it. Now let's take a look at a couple other facets that are falling in line with this kind of rolling out here in the next 18 months, I would say 18 to 24 months, I would say. Um, so the, the very first thing is Brian P. Brooks. Uh, he is the um, current or was the current chief legal officer of Coinbase, or you would call him the um, OCC, right? And uh, he was there since uh, September 2018, and he helped and, and assisted with the launch of their USD coin that they have there. 
And uh, he also helped with uh, compliance and with regulation and reaching out to uh, to not only Congress, but to regulators and to create the Crypto Rating Council. Uh, they, they are, a, uh, I guess, an independent um, asset ratings company that is uh, derived of Kraken and a few other big exchanges. Uh, he helped build and assist with that. And uh, the guy has a bachelor's degree from Harvard, of course. So he has a law degree as well. Um, and he's worked on the boards of Fannie Mae. Um, so there's a, a lot going for him. And it's one of the main reasons why the uh, Office of the Comptroller of Currency announced on uh, beginning of April 1st of this, this year that he will be the chief operating officer and first deputy comptroller. And uh, he is uh, he is made by the Secretary of the Treasury, Stephen T. Mnuchin. And um, he had this to say about him. He said, Brian Brooks is a strong leader with extensive experience in the financial services sector. I look forward to working with him to ensure the stability of our financial system and its ability to foster greater economic growth for the benefit of all Americans. Brian brings an extensive career of legal, banking, and financial innovation expertise to the agency, he is a visionary thinker with a passion for service and a deep understanding of how the financial services industry supports our nation's prosperity. We are fortunate to attract such an experienced and talented individual to join our federal agency. So, yes, he is uh, going to the Treasury Department and is likely going to assist with the introduction and uh, the, the complete, you know, follow through of this digital dollar. Um and uh, Coinbase had a spokesperson that said the following. Uh, Brian Brooks is an amazing and accomplished leader who has been invaluable in shaping the Coinbase legal and compliance programs and helping policymakers and regulators better understand the opportunities and benefits of crypto. We're always proud of Coinbase alumni who go on to serve in government, bringing a crypto friendly perspective with them. So um, there's a couple of key interviews with, uh, with, with Brian Brooks, and he talks about uh, primarily how he sees himself uh, destined for something like this. He doesn't talk necessarily about the uh, the job that he is going to get, but he talks about the job that he currently has at Coinbase. And I, I won't play that for you right now just because it's it's such a tiny segment, but ultimately he just says that he was destined to, to work within the cryptocurrency ecosystem. And uh, he feels like he is on a mission. So. There is no doubt in my mind that uh, he was hired for for this very reason to create a digital dollar and to uh, not only uh, have the friends of the ecosystem that he leaves behind, but he's able hopefully to bridge those uh, those uh, uh, friendships and opportunities and, and, and bring them to the Treasury Department. We'll, we'll see how that kind of plays out. But this is all in an effort to bring a digital dollar to uh, to the world. Um, and so. This leaves us at our last thing here. Um, it's the Federal Reserve. And it's exactly what Chairman Powell said here recently in February about where they stand on digital currency before all of this COVID-19 uh, pandemic started. Take a listen. Yesterday in your, your testimony, you talked about uh, this movement towards digital currency, something I'm very interested in. And... You indicated, you know, it was possible that there might be a United States-backed digital currency. We have the possibility of, of doing that. The question I question is, 
Would that be desirable? How do we, you know, I, I get the component parts around a digital um, currency might provide convenience and potentially even lower friction cost in terms of credit to consumers. Uh, but how do we weigh in private privacy and cyber con concerns? How would that deal uh, with our retail banking system? And do you think the Fed has the capacity to do this without congressional approval? Um, give us, fill out a little bit more, and then I've got one last question about China's role in this space. But talk to me first about the domestic implications. Sure. So you you listed the potential costs and benefits. There, the benefits would include, um, you know, perhaps greater financial inclusion, lower costs, more convenience, and all those things. The risks or costs would include uh, cyber risk and fraud risk and privacy risk and things like that. So I think um, there's a lot to weigh and a lot to work on there. Every major central bank in the world right now is doing a deep dive on digital currencies. And, I, and we think it's our responsibility to be at the very forefront of knowledge and thinking about uh, about a central bank digital would currency. You act, would you take a a positive action on that without congressional input? Do you feel like you have that authority? So it will depend. It would depend a lot on the design choices. Um, it's a it's a good question. There, we one that we're working on. I'd say we're we're working very broadly, including working with other central banks around the world on this. And um, there's just a lot of thinking and experimentation and understanding that we're gaining. And if there's a need for if if we conclude that we need more authority and that this is something appropriate to do then we'll, we will we'll ask for the authority. Well, one, one of the things you mentioned yesterday, and, and I can share Senator Sass and a number of us who are on the intel community, concern about the rise of China in a series of areas. And I think it is clear that China may move quicker than us on a digital currency. You said you've got some visibility into what China might be doing on digital currency. I'd love you to spell that a little bit. Do you think they'll use their influence through their kind of belt and road investment strategy and the number of countries that have kind of bought into that system that they might be then you know, also buying into that uh, Chinese digital currency. What would that do in terms of cross-border? What would that do in terms of dollar supremacy? You know, any further guidance you might have on, on your insight into China's actions in this space would be helpful. You know, I, I would just say we, we have to assume that uh, what would that mean? We have to ask the question, what would, it, what would it mean if China had a digital currency that had fairly wide adoption, including to other countries? We've got to ask that. I think we've all got, also got to ask, what if, a, what if a private sector entity, you know, a large company with a large network of users, has a, has a digital currency? So we're looking That's already at, popped out, and I think we, we had pretty bipartisan <laughs> concerns on that one. So we, uh, that's why we're doing all this work. We, need, we understand. It's, I would say Libra was something of a... Uh, lit a bit of a fire. We, this is something we've been focused on digital currencies for you know a couple decades, but it's really lit a fire around the world right now. So we are doing a great deal of work. My time's up. I just want to say I would urge, having seen China's ability to move aggressively in a series of other areas, that you start forging that coalition of the willing amongst other central banks um, sooner rather than later. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. So now we're going to discuss the digital dollar effects on Bitcoin. And um, there's not really a lot of talks out there about what a digital dollar and how it affects Bitcoin and what that looks like. But um, I'm all about uh, speculating. <laughs> Y'all know me for a really long time. I love playing stuff out and seeing how that would function in the in the real world. I'd love um, just 
giving you a scenario and then seeing how it plays out uh, in real time. So I'm going to talk about the digital dollar effects on Bitcoin. And yeah, let's just go ahead and start there. I have seven points to make, but I think these are these are things that everybody needs to know. Um, and uh, and I think uh, you'll be better for it because you'll at least know what to expect, right? Or what to look out for or what signs, you know, uh, people will give you. And I'll, I'll even bring it up <laughs> in the future when whenever we see this and we'll be like, oh, snap, this is one of the seven signs uh, Carr brought up, you know, when he made the, the insider about the digital dollar and, and its effects on Bitcoin and the implications of it. So first one is... Um, we need to understand this. This is very, very important. This is probably the most important thing. If you get away from this this episode um, about the digital dollar uh, and, and Bitcoin, like I really need you to understand that this is the most important thing. Bitcoin has the lead. Okay, let me say that again. Bitcoin has the lead, right? Uh, Bitcoin <laughs> has the lead, right? It's the the first digital currency of its kind. Um, it's uh, it's an immaculate, you know, conception, <laughs> you could say, right, Satoshi. And um, so, trust me when I say this: that Bitcoin has a lead, and that is a very good thing for the ecosystem. The fact that all our other cryptocurrencies out there are are are, are backed in a way by Bitcoin, right? Um, and, and Bitcoin is the OG, and it has the lead. So remember that, like a Bitcoin is leading all of these uh, competing digital currencies out there or that are going to be coming out there here pretty soon. The second thing I want to bring up is China. Uh, we cannot, we cannot uh, uh, play this down. I'm sure the media will try, but the fact that China is going to be releasing a digital yuan likely by the end of the year, I mean, all signs are pointing that way. I know I said that last year, but this year it looks like that's inevitable. Like that's going to happen. It's going to be very interesting to see and to watch and to kind of understand how the digital yawn is not only implemented over there, but how it uh, how uh, regular consumers are, are using it, how the people are using it, how they understand it. Um, we also will need to look at how Bitcoin performs in that certain part of the uh, of the world when that gets released. Do we see the Bitcoin price drop in China relative to the digital yuan? Like these are all interesting and highly, um, you know, key metrics we're going to have to go and look at when that happens. Like I'm going to be watching that carefully and, and trying to understand what that looks like. Because if they release the digital yuan and, and Bitcoin drops down in price in China, and then we kind of understand like, oh, wow. So, you know, the fact that they released the digital yawn, there's even talks that this could be a gold reserve backed digital yawn. Like, yeah, this is like the implications of something like that. So um, if it's not, let's just say it's just regular fiat and on the digital form. But we're going to have to watch how they do this. And it's going to be really interesting to see how Bitcoin is affected by this. And there is no way I can sit here and speculate one way or another what that looks like for Bitcoin in China because I don't have the not only the the I can I can I can understand 
Bitcoin in that area, but it's really hard for me to uh, understand something that I'm just not a part of that culture or even have a base level understanding of the, the people or, you know, you know what I mean? So we're really going to have to seek out that information from elsewhere, from other people to understand how that, that looks. And there's a couple of really good uh, cryptocurrency podcasts out of China that I listen to right now. So as soon as, as soon as I find out something, we will talk about it. We'll discuss it. And it's going to be a really interesting time here later in the year when that gets released and its effects on Bitcoin. So those are two key points. So just recap. Bitcoin has a lead, right? That's very important to understand. Like that's the most important thing you can understand when it comes to the digital dollar effects on Bitcoin. Bitcoin has a lead, right? Second thing is China. We need to look at that digital yuan, see how that's going to play out. Like that's going to be really interesting to see how that's going to affect Bitcoin here in the short term, right? Later this year. Okay. The, the third thing is competing currencies are good. I mean, let's say we live in a world where there's Bitcoin out there and then there's a digital yuan and then there's a digital dollar and who, who knows what else, right? This is all good. There's competing currencies out there. Now, what becomes a reserve um, reserve world asset? I mean, that's kind of up in the air. But if everything is digital, then potentially there's interoperability there that could uh, fix a lot of this stuff, right? So I don't know how that's going to play out. But ultimately, it's good to remember that competing currencies in a currency war is a good thing. I and mean, it's a good thing for everybody. Uh, I'd rather I'd rather live in that world where I can choose which uh, currency I want to use or want to take or want to get paid in uh, than live in a world where it's decided by me, uh, decided for me by the government. Like, trust me, I'd rather live in in, 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 in in point number three, which is living in a world where competing currencies exist, where they coexist. And there is people just trying to understand, you know, which which currency they want to pull, which one they want to pay with, which one they want to, you know, deposit into their accounts with. Like this is all things that uh, I am hoping happens. Like I hope it's just a world like that. I don't know if that's going to be the world we live in here in the next five to ten years, but I'm hoping for that world. We'll see. But that's something to keep an eye on. That competing currencies are good. This is a, this is honestly technology, and when you have multiple technologies to choose from, this is a good thing. And the fact that finance and and money has become a technology now at this point, um, so it's it's ultimately a good thing. The fourth point I want to make is, what happens to cash? Like, what happens to dirty cash? Like, when this digital dollar comes in, like, does this create a new currency? Right. Does this get rid of cash? Um, this is going to be one thing that I'm going to want to find out here in the next, you know, 18 to 24 months when they roll this thing out, because it's going to happen that fast. Uh, they are not going to let China have two year, <laughs> a two year lead on, on, on the digital yuan. That's just if they do that, they would have already lost. Like they're going to try to, you know, if not beat China, <laughs> they're going to try to. Uh, release something, you know, sooner rather than later. Uh, There's even projections that early 2021 is what we're looking at. So uh, I don't know if that's the truth. There's no actual sources from, um, you know, people in, in, in the government saying that. But if that's what people are quoting, it, it's possible. Uh, but I do know that what's going to happen when this new currency is released. Like, does this mean that they're going to hyperinflate uh, the uh, the dollar, right? And then does that does that mean that we're gonna drive the price of the dollar down so much so that there is a six to one, 
you know, trade with the new currency. And let's say this new currency is called, you know, Fed coin <laughs> or and then we have the regular dollar and then people are, you know, paying one Fed coin for every six dollars. Right. Like it's and then before, you know, we pay back all our debts like this is where I'm kind of stuck on. Like this is something to keep an eye out for. Like, how does this new currency work? Are, are we going to get rid of cash at that point? And then if they don't do that, if they don't create a new currency that, you know, that they can pay down their debt with, right, just out of thin air, because that's what they'll probably do, create a new currency out of thin air, <laughs> then pay back the, the dollars and the trillion dollar debts they have. And so if they don't do that, like, do they use the same USD and it just becomes digital? If that's the case, like, are they going to keep you know, digitally printing more money at this point. And if that happens, like, is that the end game for <laughs> for the Fed? Like just to keep printing digital uh, fiat. And then at that point, uh, it becomes worthless over time. You know, uh, at this rate, it, it looks like it's going to completely go into the quadrillion <laughs> stage uh, here by 2030. I mean, that's what's what this is. These are forecasts that other people are making. Uh, so it's like, does that happen? So these are two different things to keep an eye out for. Is it a new currency? And is there a ratio of uh, $6 to one Fed coin? Or is it the same currency? And we just keep uh, hyper inflating um, the, the, the fiat in a digital form. Like, how does that work? These are things that are going to have a tremendous effect on Bitcoin. Because if it's the latter, then you're going to see Bitcoin go into the million dollar stage sooner rather than later. And so at that point, should we even be measuring uh, Bitcoin with USD? Right. So it's it, it becomes a very tricky situation really fast. So these are things to keep an eye out for and to just keep in the back of your head as this kind of plays out in real time. Um, now I'm going to get into different scenarios. I got two of them for you. These are going to be number six and number seven. Um, so let me give you, let me actually, let me give you the, um, let me give you the best case scenario. <laughs> Let's start, instead of giving you the doom and gloom one, let me give you the best, because I really want to tell you the doom and gloom one. Uh, okay, but let me give you the best case scenario. So the best case scenario is that the old currency is still used, right? They still use a regular cash dollar and uh, it coincides side by side with the digital dollar. And uh, at some point, they just start um, extinguishing um, cash along, alongside the digital dollar and overwhelming over time. I would say the next five to 10 years, uh, hyperinflation happens. Uh, and then people slowly but surely make the move over to Bitcoin. And then Bitcoin becomes the, the world reserve currency because it sustains the, the longest and it's been around for the longest at that point. And people are starting to understand the uh, implications of uh, fiat, right? Uh, fake money. Uh, and they see the, the benefits of uh, a hard asset like, like Bitcoin or gold, um, right? And that's the best case scenario, right? Um, so this is what I'm hoping for, <laughs> right? Is that they kind of go about this route. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, and I'll tell you what I really think is going to happen, but let me just let me just give you that. So I think that's the best case scenario is that um, old currency still around. 
cash is working alongside with it for a little while. I would say three to five years. Eventually, they extinguish cash at a certain point. Uh, inflation keeps increasing, and people just start making the. And you're already seeing it happen. Like uh, I got a call from my brother this this past weekend, and he was talking about uh, like how he still thought the the dollar was backed by gold. Like I had to inform him that that wasn't the case since Brent Woods, and he actually went to research. He's like, "Holy crap! I had no idea." I'm like, yeah, man. There's a lot of things they don't tell us in school, um, so it, it's uh, it, it's just a lot of things that people will wake up to, and you're slowly seeing it now. Like, there's been an influx of subscribers to this to this thing, and it's it's because people are waking up to uh, what's really going on, and they're looking for real information. And the only way you can get real information these days are from individuals like Joe Rogan, right? Or even uh, Anthony Pompliano, where you have these individuals who are out there doing uh, independent research on a lot of these topics like myself. Like I'll go out and do independent research and I have a day job and then I do all that full time and that's how I pay my living. But I, I have a fascination with this subject and I am in searching for the truth and I want to share that with everybody. So I think people are waking up to that. This is our reality now. We can't depend on a lot of our regular media to give us informed um, opinions on what's going on and try to keep it as neutral as possible, which I try very hard to do. It can be tough sometimes. So, um, yeah, I think that's best case scenario. I think, you know, dollar inflates. People make the move to Bitcoin over time and then Bitcoin becomes reserve, right? That's what we all want, right? That way, no matter if you have, you know, 0.5 Bitcoin or if you have, you know, one Bitcoin or two Bitcoin or three Bitcoin or five Bitcoin or 20 Bitcoin, whatever, however many Bitcoin you have, you're going to be in a good place because you were holding all these years and now you get to kind of live off the, <laughs> the the fruits of your of your past uh, uh, decisions, which were, were great decisions. So that's best case scenario right there. Okay, let me give you the worst case scenario. <laughs> yeah, man, I hate doing this, you know, because I feel like there's sometimes when, when, especially since ever since we did Bitcoin in March, right? We did that episode and I was like, let me give you the worst case scenario. <laughs> it didn't end up coming true. Um, and I didn't know that was going to come true. Like I really didn't. That's why I gave like 25, 20% or whatever it was. Uh, so let me give you the worst case scenario of how this digital dollar affects Bitcoin and the worst case scenario. Um, and, and, and man, I know, like, I hope there's no one <laughs> who is working for the Fed or the government listening to this because they're going to be like, oh, so all we got to do is avoid this <laughs> or do exactly like this. And uh, this is how we'll, we'll we'll make everything work and have complete control. And I, I'm going to regret saying this because I feel like they're going to steal this playbook. <laughs> but. Anyways, you pay for you pay for this, so I'm going to give you uh, the worst case scenario, and um, it, it to me this makes the most sense. And and a lot of this is what a lot of what I do is just playing it out. Like, um, I forget what movie I was watching here. Uh, you know, what? I don't want to deviate too far, but what I'm saying is sometimes when you just play things out in your head and see like, okay, now what would happen then? And then this and this, and then before you know it, you can kind of get to a place where you're like relatively thinking like, okay, this is how that would look like or something like this. So this is kind of where my mindset was when thinking about this. So the worst case scenario is they create a new currency. And that's the worst case scenario. Like they create a new currency. They call it Fed coin or they call it America coin or whatever they call it, independence coin, whatever they're going to call it, right? And at that point, it becomes the world reserve currency because that's what they want to do. They wipe out the old debt. 
because they're like, hey, we're not going to do the six to one ratio or anything like that. We're just going to wipe it out clean. Um, who knows if uh, everybody's going to be OK with that. If they don't do that, then it's going to be like a 10 to one where it's so relatively small to the, to the new currency that they're bringing on board. Um, and it becomes, um, you know, so, you know, inconsequential, you know, it's just it's just not it's not a big deal when they have to pay down the, the USD balance. Right. Just like, OK, that was USD. This is independence coin or America coin or whatever they're going to call it. World coin, whatever they're going to call it. Right. And and I hope uh, this doesn't happen. But let's say they start making this more so a a, a, a currency that's uh, kind of twofold. 1155 token standard, like they're going to have the regular token, right? You would probably call it a utility token, right? And that would be your regular Fed coin or America coin or independence coin. And then you're going to have something like uh, another, something that looks looks or poses like a security type of token. And that's going to be something that's going to be held um, by the Federal Reserve and it'll be uh, it'll be backed by gold and other ba a basket of currencies like the digital yawn and, and other types of uh, digital currencies out there. So they'll have this kind of two tier system and it falls directly in line with what Hyperledger can produce. Right. Uh, and then so you still have something that's completely centralized, but completely decentralized. And at a certain point, you know, especially when it's you're looking at the other currency that the Federal Reserve is holding um, and they'll probably give those to central banks around the world and they'll all hold those currencies and those will derive in value by the basket that it's holding. And whether that be gold, Bitcoin or digital or digital yawn, like these are all things that are going to make this um, this new new paradigm shift work right and it's gonna be highly technical but you're gonna have a lot of people who are really really smart in the fintech space explaining it and it's probably gonna look something like this right at that point you know you're gonna have a very centralized but very controlled uh program programmable money coming from the fed and um and also becoming the world reserve asset at the same time and uh it'll make everything efficient make everything super fast and it'll be highly valuable and uh, this this also will make us not only use our Fed accounts, but have no choice but to. Uh, at that point, we'll all have digital wallets and we'll probably have a digital identity by that by that point uh, tied to our to our person. And then at, at that point, you're looking at uh, where you're holding your crypto. Right. Because we're still going to have competing currencies out there. Like, I still think that is going to be something they're going to allow. They're not just going to make Bitcoin illegal. But what they will do is they will make a Bitcoin uh not I would, illegal is a harsh word to use. They'll make it really hard for regular consumers to send and receive Bitcoin from a uh, unauthorized digital wallet that is not tied to a digital identity. So let me say that slower and explain it a little bit better. They'll make it to where if you have Bitcoin or any other cryptocurrencies, and if you don't have a digital wallet that's tied to your digital identity that you're holding that Bitcoin in, then the the uh, the authorization to transact you can still transact but it's going to be illegal to send or receive if you don't have that bitcoin stored on a digital wallet that's tied to a digital identity so what i'm trying to say is you can still send with bitcoin normal people can send we could still pay each other with bitcoin but it will need to be tied to a digital wallet and they will make that you know 
that will probably make that really hard for us to, um, I wouldn't say circumvent, but because um, we will be able to circumvent it. But at a certain point, you would uh, you would probably have the vast majority of people trying to opt out from that. But at that point, you're really fighting against a system that already has created uh, underlining technology around digital identity and digital wallet with KYC and AML. And you're kind of reluctant not to follow in line because there's really no reason not to put your Bitcoin in there, especially if, uh, only if you're doing something illegal. But it also sucks because at any point they could, you know, potentially, you know, seize that wallet if it's tied to a digital identity. Who knows how that would play out? And honestly, there's a lot more smarter people out there that could explain that much better than I can. But that's what I think is the worst case scenario. Oh, I should also add, I think if, if that does play out exactly like that, I think then you'll start seeing an overwhelming majority move over to uh, privacy coins, right? And then at that point, people are looking at um, maybe Memo Wimbo. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Maybe Zcash. Who knows? But I think at that point, you're going to start seeing people create the secondary market. And uh, then it's Bitcoin all over again, just with a different... Uh, 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 privacy aspect to it, or maybe Bitcoin gets forked and then turns into a privacy coin. Who knows? But I'm saying, like, if that were to become a thing, you know, the, it's still open source, right? So you're definitely going to see a lot of pushback on that, especially from the overwhelming majority of people in this space. But we'll see. We'll see. Just something to keep in, uh, an eye on for, like, seriously. <laughs> Uh, and I hope I hope there's no one from the Fed or the government listening to this because I'm pretty sure they've already thought of this. If I've thought about this, uh, I'm almost certain somebody highly more technical and and somebody highly more uh, expert level uh, on the uh, on on DLT and and what that means for the economics and monetary system of the world. Uh, is already looking at something like this highly. I would be reluctantly surprised if this doesn't, if this is not what they're creating. I'd be, I'd be like, wow, they, they had the opportunity to create something this controlled, this centralized, but this still kind of, uh, you know, decentralized approach to it because it's holding a basket of currencies. Like, who knows? But I would be very shocked if they didn't create this kind of two token system. I'd be very shocked. Um, okay, so. Just to recap, I think this is a more worst case scenario happening, and I hope they don't do this. Like, I really hope they don't do this. But when if this were to happen, I think Bitcoin would still be around. We would still use it. Um, the value of it would probably, I wouldn't say drop, but I probably would think that at that point, people would be uh, reluctant to hold Bitcoin um, long term because you would eventually pull the rug underneath Bitcoin because at that point, you you forcibly make Bitcoin digital gold, which is fine. Uh, it's digital gold already. People think that uh, for the most part. But this at this point, you would be saying, hey, this is just digital gold at this point. Uh, you, there's no need to transact in it other than just to store your wealth on it. Uh, and for the most part, most people would be OK with that. Um, I wouldn't be OK with that. <laughs> but the vast majority of people would be OK with that. Because uh, it, it definitely would still hold value, I think, but definitely the value w would further decrease. And I think, and I think this would be pulling the rug underneath Bitcoin. Um, doesn't make it obsolete, or doesn't make it any more uh, centralized or anything like that. If anything, it makes it stronger. Um, but it definitely is a lot. It's a, a bigger hurdle for Bitcoin to jump across, in my opinion. Um, and that's just kind of how I see that playing out. And what do I think is really going to happen? Um, 
I really think this is what I really think is really going to happen. I really think they're going to try to create something similar to that, but they're going to be unsuccessful and they're just not going to be smart enough to <laughs> to follow through with uh, a centralized and a decentralized approach to creating a utility token portion of it and then creating a actual like security aspect to it as well, too, and then distributing it out through to other, you know, uh, reserve banks or other central banks across the world. I don't think they're going to be quite, um, you know, uh, you know, I would say what's the right word I'm looking for? Diligent enough or diligent enough to do something like this just because they're having a scramble right now. Um, I, I think what's going to happen, they're going to release something very, very, very simple, very something simple that you can still program. You can still release it to a digital dollar. They'll have to create some type of, um, you know, support network around it because you're going to have people, regular people, especially if the Fed wants to take this on on their own to release this, these Fed accounts and create this Fed coin or whatever. They're going to have to create some kind of support system, which allows people to <laughs> to go and call, you know, their government uh, and say, hey, where's my money? Or, hey, this transaction to go through. It could be a really awful thing. And I think that's what's going to happen. I think they're going to create something where it's going to be completely um, just um, like foobard, where they're just like, it's just not quite sticky enough for the average person to use. And they're literally just going to see their money come in their Fed account, their digital wallet, and then move it over to their personal banking wallet instead. And that's kind of what you're going to see. And people are just going to be like, thanks for the money, and then just move it over. And then people are just going to ignore the Fed account as a something as something that they they use. And I think what's going to happen is you're going to have other competing currencies happen at the same time, like Bitcoin, the digital yawn, and then we're going to have a good old fashioned currency war. That's what I that's what I think is really going to happen. So those are this is kind of a long episode, but I wanted to make sure I give you my kind of ideas and my kind of um, insights into what I think the digital dollar effects of 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 of, of what this looks like for Bitcoin. And I think I, I gave you a lot of that here in the latter portion of the of this episode. So I hope you guys really enjoy this. I really had a lot of fun researching this. I've been looking at it all week because uh, this is something I've been thinking about for about two weeks now and I uh, wasn't sure how I was going to, you know, play everything out. But I think I think this is really good. I think this is really good stuff. And I think I hope you guys uh, enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, that's all I got. Oh, you know what? I forgot to mention, uh, this is probably important, but I forgot to mention that the way they're going to convince us of these Fed accounts and the way they're going to pass it through legislation uh, will be because of UBI. They'll promise us UBI if we allow them to make Fed accounts. I forgot to leave that part in there. In January 14th of this year, I released an episode called The Decade of Transformation. And I said that the 2020s looks to be more challenging than the previous decade. And I was alluding to the creation of Fedcoin, right? Or how that's going to play out with Bitcoin and the Chinese digital yuan. This is a very important decade for the next hundred years and what that looks like. So we are really at an important time in history, I would say. And future generations are going to look back on us and really <laughs> wonder what the hell we were thinking. So we have to make absolutely sure we get this right because we know how it played out in the 1970s when our past generation 
really um, set us in the wrong direction. So buy Bitcoin, save the world.